Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wealth Tech Show. I'm Ian Horn, and this CityWire podcast looks at how technology is changing the way that we invest and manage our personal finances. This week's episode takes on something that pretty much anyone can take an interest in, which is the pensions dashboard. And today I'm joined by Jonathan Hawkins, a principal consultant at Reviewer Solutions. Now, Jonathan, hi, welcome to the Wealth Tech Show. Uh, how are you getting on today? Hi, Ian. Yeah, doing really well, thank you. Uh, nice and warm out there. So, uh, yeah, it's absolute scorcher. We're getting a lot of these su- summer podcasts. I think the last few podcasts in a row, people have said it's like 35 or 37 degrees or whatever. So, uh, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to the end of that. But it's, it is a hot day. Um, look, before we get into anything specific, Please tell us about yourself and you know what you do at Bravura and also uh, your work relating to the pensions dashboard. Yeah, so I'm a, a pensions geek and a technology <laughs> geek. Uh, so I tell people it's geek squared and I can pretty much bore anybody at a dinner party. <laughs> and uh, and I've, I've been in pensions for 25 plus years. So I sort of got this understanding of where pensions have come from and where the tech has come from as well from a, from a background. Uh, that's been through... Uh, TPAs, LifeCos, and uh, most importantly, software firms. And uh, and I've been having an eye on the pensions dashboard for probably about six, seven years now. Uh, we had the uh, pilot that happened in 2016, and uh, then that paused for various uh, governmental issues, I think we'll call it. And then very, very recently <laughs> in the last couple of years, it sort of really picked up ahead of steam, and we're heading into having the the legislation uh looking that it'll get royal assent later this year mm-hmm. and uh and and providers and data the data providers i guess is the is the official name so that's schemes and uh and platforms etc have really got to start thinking about connecting their data into the infrastructure mm-hmm. so, so this has been a long time coming and have you been working on it for that whole seven years uh, on and off, yes. So uh, I've I've kept a, a sort of a hobbyist's eye uh, in the in the quiet years, uh, and for about the last eighteen months, really engaging with PDP, the Pension Dashboard Program, and uh, and other people around the industry to really try and shape what this looks like, give opinion, give thought, mm-hmm. and uh, and also formulate in my mo- own mind how Bravura and Delta uh, can actually um, help customers in that in connecting but also looking at the future so how did this come about were you were you approached or did you reach out to to maps about this so it, it's because i know some lots of people in the industry uh and we as a software providers group uh maps wanted to put this together and so most software providers involved someone um and uh, i sort of got tapped on the shoulder and asked if i'd like to join in which i was thrilled to do because it's new and exciting and and i think gives some really good benefits for consumers. Okay, so Jonathan, already we've used plenty of jargon in this conversation, so I should probably clear that up. Maps, of course, as I just said, is the money and pension service, and the pensions dashboard has been set up as an arm of the money and pension service, and it's obviously due to launch in 2023, as discussed. Now, the idea of the pensions dashboard is it will allow people in the UK to see information on all of their pensions in the same place in order to encourage people to plan for their retirement and avoid the well, no doubt, massive pensions shortfall that we're all about to face. So it's obviously a big thing and a big step forward for, for savers in the UK. Uh, so Jonathan, how, how are people are going to 
get access to this pensions dashboard? Is it going to be an app or is it desktop based or or both? It's going to be all of those. Um, so effectively, it isn't one dashboard. There are multiple dashboards. And so the Money and Pension Service, as you uh, mentioned, they will be providing a sort of a government dashboard. And that will be uh, tied into sort of money helper type services. And then any commercial provider who has an FCA um, uh, license, uh, you know, for under the certain part, uh, will be able to have their own dashboard. And, uh, and they will be able to help their customers in a way that suits their customers. Um, so, you know, that could be uh, particularly around advice journeys. It could be uh, around, you know, a, a direct consumer. It could be around workplace. So the idea being is, you know, a, a provider can get a really good relationship with their customer through this as well, which I think is going to be quite revolutionary because it really opens up to a consumer's eyes what they've got, where, and uh, and makes them think, oh, I don't, I didn't, I'd forgotten about that yeah. job I had twenty years ago, and there's a little pot of money there that I didn't know about. Um, mm -hmm. and, and this will be most people because I think uh, just over two thirds of people have more than one pension. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot, of, you know, some people can have up to 17, 20 pots, um, and I think the other thing that this really, really will start to make people question is the whole small pots issue. So with auto enrollment, we started to see lots of employees who perhaps move around between different employers will get lots of small pots for different providers, which isn't really economical for the individual saver, but also isn't economical for the providers. So it will start to expose that a little bit more as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think like, this will be a prompt to get people taking more interest in their pensions. Are you doing anything to gamify it or anything that will make people really want to take more of an interest? Because the problem we kind of have is pensions are really important. And yet, it's one of the most uninspiring words in the dictionary, isn't it? Pension. It it totally is, and one of my it's one of the words I absolutely hate because when we're talking about defined contributions, we're not really talking about pensions. Mm -hmm. We're talking about retirement savings, which will then turn into an annuity, a pension, or you draw down. So I think it's it's a bit of a misnomer. And you know, if you look at Australia, they call it superannuation. Mm -hmm. uh, they have Kiwi Saver in New Zealand. Um, there are, you know, different ways of describing it, but we call it pensions, and then people <laughs> just think, "Oh, that sounds complicated." Yeah, or I'll deal with that when I'm old. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly that. You just think of somebody with white hair and a, and a walking stick. Yeah. <laughs> and so to answer your question about the the gamification, I think mm -hmm. that really comes into a couple of things. One is the fact that the um, the regulators are going to keep quite a firm hand, at least to start with, on what is allowable on a pensions dashboard and the display of the information to keep it consistent and to try and make the, try to control the journeys a little bit so that there is um, a level of similarity. And we'd also sort of see what fintech and providers start to do around that as well. And I think that's where the exciting bit comes in because there's loads of smart minds out there that will be, okay, what can we do within the boundaries? And then from, you know, when we've got that pensions dashboard, I call it the what next, because mm -hmm. you've got a load of numbers. And as we know, financial education in the, in particularly in the pension space or the financial, uh, or the lifetime savings space, isn't what it needs to be in the UK. So how do we fill that gap? And if somebody's looking at these numbers, they're just numbers on the screen. What do they mean? What do they mean to that individual? And I think that's going to be one of the real testing parts for the industry. Uh, is people are going to have questions about these numbers. Yeah, absolutely. And it's quite interesting as well. I don't think everyone in the industry is going to be particularly welcoming 
of this? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but is this is this bad news for people that are in the pensions aggregation business? It, uh, so I think it could be. I think there will be winners and losers in this. And I think the winners are likely to be the ones that, in, that really engage with it and the ones that really embrace the upside. Because I think there's a lot of people treating this as a compliance activity because mm -hmm. you've got to connect the data. But I think there is also an opportunity to serve your customers better. And of course, the ones that serve their customers really well will, um, you know, uh, increase their AUM and, and be successful off the back of it. So I think it's how, how you look at that. I think there's also the opportunity for uh, light to be shone into the really dark, murky corners of pensions and particularly, you know, uh, providers that have been perhaps uh, looking after funds for many years with, with charges that perhaps aren't competitive or funds that aren't competitive. And mm. there might be some more questions being asked yeah. by consumers. And that's quite commonplace, do you think? It's more commonplace than I think it should be. Uh, yeah. You know, from a personal perspective, I just, I, I think... We need to deliver good products for, for consumers and simple, yeah. straightforward products. And I think we've got a, a history. And, you know, if you look at, at various reviews over the years, we haven't haven't been as uh, as consumer-focused as, as we should be. Yeah. And I think people don't often talk about in, uh, pensions. As you're saying, people aren't necessarily engaged with their pensions. That inertia has created a business opportunity for people who are quite happy to take that money and not do much with it. Um, it it's, uh, it's an interesting... Uh, well, it's an interesting situation, right? It is. And, and the, you know, regulators done quite a few things over the years in that space. But this is just going to shine a light on it for consumers that are that are interested. And I can see, you know, you're going to have sort of a Martin Lewis or somebody do a slot on a primetime BBC programme. And you're going to have people thinking, oh, well, I can have a look, see what I've got. And, you know, within a few clicks and a, and a bit of information, you know, pretty much like searching for a, a car insurance quote you're going to be able to see all your pensions sort of pop up in real time. So it's going to be very much, um, very sort of motivating for somebody to kind of go, well, hang on a minute, I don't understand that. I've got some questions or that doesn't look very good. The problem with that as well, and I think this is where, again, the industry needs to be careful, is that people may make wrong decisions from that information. Mm -hmm. So something that the Pensions Dashboard Programme is consulting on at the moment is is the display standards and what that needs to look like and the appropriate sort of wealth warnings that need to go with with anything you're going to display in this in this sector to make sure mm -hmm. that people make the right decisions yeah so will this information come with some kind of default guidance then exactly that yes yeah. so that will i think evolve over time as we start to see how consumers interact with it and we we always know the uh consumers do interesting things and we can yeah. we can see that come out through all different all different walks of life and so it'll be interesting to see how that develops over the next mm. you know three four five years and probably the key thing to mention is that there's the dashboards availability point probably won't be until 2024 and a dashboards availability point is when uh the minister will say from this date which you know he's they're suggesting will be 90 days from that announcement mm -hmm. Uh, that's when the public will be able to access mm -hmm. pensions dashboards and yeah. the infrastructure. So has that been pushed back? Because I read recently that the expected date was 2023. So 2023 is for data sources to connect. Okay. And they are in a staged fashion. So depending on the size of the scheme, the type of scheme, the type of provider, those are staged in sort of broadly monthly blocks. There's a couple of, um, couple of uh, irregular ones which are slightly longer. And what we've got to do is get enough of those pensions connected to the central infrastructure 
before that gets switched on. Otherwise, yeah. people will just go and search for something and they, we won't have good coverage of, uh, of all the policies in the UK. So there's going to be a point at which we sort of cross that threshold. You've got, you know, however many percent that the pension dashboard program decide is the right number. Once they're connected, it's worth switching it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before that, you're probably not going to have enough policies to keep people interested because they'll think, oh, I've, I've got a pension with that company, but they haven't yet um, yeah. onboarded their data. Okay. And how much input will people need to make before they can access their pensions dashboard? Is there quite a lot of information that you need to provide or is it done for you? It's similar to um, how we understand it is going to be because there's still some final decisions that mm-hmm. the uh, pension dashboard program are going to be making around the the identity service and how that's going to work. But it will be, I, I expect something very similar to what you would do for, you know, uh, something similar to a bank account opening, but with, um, you know, an online journey. And that will take you through sort of security checks to make sure you are who you say you are, make sure you're not uh, fraudulently, um, you know, pretending you're your, your ex-spouse or something similar. And it's making sure you're, you're, you're alive. So there's going to be all of those things that are going to kick in, but it'll be relatively st- simple and straightforward and easily led through that journey. So it'll be something that all consumers, young and old, should be able to interact with. Okay, brilliant. And um, is it time for some pensions controversy now? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was long overdue. Pensions controversy time. So the dashboard uh, I have read requires a lot of work from providers. And I know some pension schemes have had some backlash to this requirement that they'll have 90 days notice before the dashboard goes live in which to make the initiative accessible to the public, which is what you were saying just there. Yes. Now, you know, Peter Williams, Pensions Committee Chair at the Association of Consulting Actuaries, said the following, we believe this period is too short. A large amount of preparatory work will be required. Do you sympathise with this? Not at all, really. Um, There is a lot of work to be done, but we've known this is coming for quite a long time. The, yeah, if I go back to 2016, when I was first working on this, the, the actual ask hasn't changed greatly. There is a lot of work in the DB world. You know, a lot of those calculations are still manual. They are, you know, on a spreadsheet or, or however, because we've got systems that, that uh, don't automate those uh, types of calculations. And I get that. It's, it's going to be tricky. But I don't think there's ever going to be a right date. And that 90 days is quite a long time in the future. You know, we're talking 90 days from some point, probably in 2024. So that should be, you know, that which is two years away, potentially. Mm-hmm. Should be enough time to, to sort of be ready. And that 90 days is pretty much just, right, you, you should all be connected. You should have all your business processes in place. You've got 90 days that, okay, we're going to, you know, switch it on in 90 days, just polish everything and, and do what, what you need to do to be ready for Mm-hmm. customers actually coming through the system. So a side effect of the pensions dashboard is going to be that pension schemes actually make better use of their data and log it more effectively. Exactly. And as an industry, and I go back to when I was first a pension administrator in the, in the 90s, and we've relied very much on doing data cleanses and data work when somebody comes to take their benefits, either through a transfer or retirement or death or, or whatever. And it has always come to that. And the industry hasn't moved vast amounts on from there. The regulators put some data requirements in. Um, 
has been less requirement on the FCA regulated side of pensions. I think this is sometimes that I get confused even as a pensions person why we need two regulators. But um, yeah. it's, uh, it is as it is. So, so there has been a lot of work in that space. But I don't have, I don't have sympathy that, mm -hmm. that there's not been enough time. I think one of the interesting things is when we're going to be starting to do these matches, because effectively, you know, I'm looking, I go onto the dashboard, look for John Hawkins, you know, I prove that I am who I say I am. That message then gets sent out to every provider and they try and match against my, my details. Yeah. And it's that bit that is going to be the, um, is the, is the key. And are the NI numbers right? Are the addresses right? Are the names right? And you're going to need to have that data accurate at some point. Yeah. Why do you think they're saying that's not long enough? It's expensive. Uh, and we know that there's, there's, you know, there is a lot of manual involvement in pension schemes. There's an awful lot of regulation that's coming through as well. And, you know, there's, there's requirements on trustee boards and administrators to do things. Um, but there are providers out there that will help. And, uh, and, and we're, we're uh, partnering with, with an organization that we're hoping to, to release a um, proposition within a, in a few weeks' time. And that's going to be very much about automating it, looking at other data quality, and then dealing with the fact that sometimes you aren't going to be able to match people. And, and you, you're going to have to go around a loop of, okay, we think it might be this person, but we're not entirely sure. And that's mm -hmm. going to be an interesting challenge for the industry as to how they deal with that. So do they answer a phone? Do they do something automatic? Um, can they take th somebody through a user journey? And that's going to be a good place to get pensions data because if you get pensions data in better quality, you can automate more of it, as we mm. know. And, uh, and you know, that sort of brings in new opportunities in, yeah. in those spaces. And moving forward, presumably, then everyone's data will be far easier to access. We can do more with it. The dashboard can no doubt improve in time once we've got that. Exactly. And... You know what we're what we're looking at within the Provera space and the Delta space is that we're going to connect this data. But there's only so much you can do when you're when you're sort of running in real time, trying to uh, trying to find John Hawkins in your in your um, in, in in your records. It's not an opportunity for 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 data cleanse at that point. You should have your data clean in advance, and then you should get a a, a provider that's going to help you connect to the pensions dashboard infrastructure. Those are two very separate things in my mind, you know, and I think there's I, I, there's a lot of myths in the in the uh, in the industry at the moment, and one of them is that these two things are conjoined, and they're not; they're related, but they aren't um, they aren't exclusive to each other. You know, the data has to be right, but then you have to have a a partner, a tech partner that you can work with in the long term, because it's a long term thing. You know, you are going to be connected for a long time. In, into perpetuity yeah. at this rate but um you want someone that's going to be able to to move with you and actually look to the future as to what the opportunities are mm -hmm. and obviously we have lots of financial advisors listening to this podcast do you do you think the the pensions dashboard works well alongside a financial advice proposition because i suspect some people might be concerned that they're delivering advice and then out of nowhere their client has this new app that's consolidated their pensions for them is possibly telling them to do certain things is that is that going to be troublesome at all? Again, I I think it comes down to how you um, you you work through these these problems because they are new problems for everybody, and there's new opportunities that come from this. And I'm really excited about the opportunities because 
what you've got in the uh, advice sector is, is you've got the opportunity for advisors to get delegated access to their um, customers' um, pensions dashboards. So I can see opportunities here for uh, fintechs like ourselves to work with advice firms and wealth companies to help their advisors be able to pull that data back much quicker with their customers. So they'll be able to go through a really easy digital journey and rather than, than, than you know writing off or emailing off to try and get data back from each of the companies the person can remember, you're actually going to get it all in one place and you'll be able to get your valuations much quicker as well. So I can see that there's a sort of an advisor dashboard uh, opportunity in this space that uh, that we're looking at and as, ha as to how we can how we can use our tech and know-how to, to service that. And so there's a lot of opportunities mm -hmm. around that. And I, what I do worry about, and one of the things that does concern me, we are seeing a lot of um, sort of transfer scams at the moment. So, so one of the big things you read in the press is about people being scammed or incentivized for a transfer that may or may not be in their, in their interest. And I suspect it, we're going to have to keep, really keep an, an eye on that as an industry. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think... You know, we need to, to be wary. And that's not to say that all non-advised transfers are wrong because they're not, because in, in most cases they're, they're the right thing to do. But we need to be mindful as an industry that, that we get that right. Mm -hmm. But I like that you did point out some optimism there because I, th I think for many people, this might actually be their first engagement with a financial services app. It might be people's first you know stepping stone into looking at their finances. And who knows, maybe speaking to a financial advisor at some point, people might realize they've got money they didn't know they had. Exactly that. And, they and, and because we don't understand it as a, uh, as a, as a, as a society, um, it, it gives a financial advisor an opportunity to potentially evolve their product offering. You know, actually looking at, we know we're not going to have to do quite so much paperwork to try and get those values. We can get them quite quickly. And can we provide, you know, something more on the guidance side? to, to mm. some, you know, more of a mass market, can we provide something in that space that's economical? And, and I think there's going to be some, some real good opportunities there and some real um, upside. And I, I think this is, again, one of the things is, is everyone looks at the compliance angle. I think there's a real opportunity here for everybody in the, in the financial services world to do well and customers to get a real benefit out of the back of it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And we, we speak so often on this podcast about that, yeah, there are millions of people that don't have access to advice who probably don't have enough assets to be targeted by a financial advisor even. So yeah, I can see this stuff being a real step in the right direction. It seems like, you know, I don't want to lump all pension schemes in together. I'm sure there's lots of very good ones and very well-administrated ones, but it seems like there's inertia in the market. It seems like some people are making, you know, managing data really badly. And actually, it seems like we're we're dragging standards up, which is a good thing. Although, one last question to finish. I mean, when I was you know, looking at this, I saw that Andy Bell had, had suggested that 2023 or 2024 might be an ambitious date. You know, he was pointing out that there's over 32,000 pension schemes and that while he said that advisors should take note of it, it's something that he'd put in his it'll never happen tray. Now, is there a chance that these pension scheme providers do drag their heels over this or are there consequences for doing so? There, there are fines and uh, and sanctions that will, will come into play if, if they do drag their heels. Most of those pension schemes may be at the smaller end of the market. So they are going to have, you know, in, into 2025, 2026 before they start to have to, um, have to, to, to join the data 
um, their data to the, the pensions dashboard infrastructure. So there's, there's still time for them. Um, and, and really it's about trying to connect as many people with the larger players as possible. So it's a, very much a numbers game because there's, you know, millions of people in the, in the bigger schemes and you've got, you know, right at the very other end, you've got some very, very small schemes there and you'll start to connect those, but you, the impact on society will be less. Mm. So, um, so I think it's going to happen. Um, and there's a, too much work, I think, been expended into this for it not to happen. I think if we look at politics at the moment, that's the one thing that could uh, put a little bit of a spanner in the works with a delay because we're expecting the, the legislation to be um, to be tabled and, uh, and gain royal assent towards the end of the year. If there's some kind of um, election or something similar, yeah. then all bets are off, and that will obviously will have to be recast with the uh, you know new parliament timetable. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that is pretty much what we've got time for, John. But do you have any parting words or anything you'd like to leave us with relating to to the pensions dashboard? I think that my, from my perspective, I'm really passionate about it because I think it's a really great opportunity for the whole industry to get behind doing something good for consumers, and it does upset me somewhat when people get you get the naysayers the people that are really talking it down and i think this is our opportunity to to get something done and make it work um and i'm really excited about that and that's that's sort of my little passion yeah so that's my i think well, i'm gonna good. leave that's you what with. we like yes it's good thank you and uh thank you for bringing that passion to the wealth tech show and telling us about the pensions dashboard and Again, we just need to change that word pensions, don't we? Because it makes everything sound so much more dry. I mean, the Aussies are right with superannuation. A super is super. Yeah, pretty good, it's, it's isn't it? It's a positive it? word. Even the Kiwi, that's quite fun. You know, we need to we need to change that branding. Let's let's get on to that. But look, John, thank you uh, for joining us. And to everyone listening in, I hope you enjoyed this week's Wealth Tech Show. I'm Ian Horn, and I'll be back again next week. Goodbye for now. 